very excited about getting him where we got him. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. Play clock is down to one. McCown gets it off. He's throwing long on the near side for Anderson. He's got him into the open field. Touchdown, Jets! And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Going to do a little bonus episode today. I know normally in our weekly format, we have a different guest, do a little interview. Um, but this week, we're going to take some time, go through some of your questions that have been sent over on Twitter, uh, through our comment section, or through any other place that you guys interact with our website. Wanted to take an episode before the NFL draft go through, answer as many as I could. We'll go about 15, 20 minutes or so. Uh, We'll run this tonight, Sunday night, and then we'll be back with our normal episode with another guest on Thursday before we get into our final draft preview episodes next week. Before we dive into the questions, of course, want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to go to primesport.com slash turn on the jets for more information on their hospitality and ticket packages this podcast is also brought to you by razor sport that's r-a-z-e-r-s-p-o-r-t.com get all your nba nhl playoff betting action advice from our friends in the members section at razorsport.com again this podcast is brought to you by both prime sport and razor sport make sure to show the supporters of the pod some love Give a little bonus episode love today, uh, and let's dive into your questions. And again, really appreciate everybody taking the time to interact with the site, interact on Twitter. This is certainly uh, an entertaining time of the year. All right, first question uh, from Jonathan, who is at PumaCon Color. I'm going to do the best to pronounce your guys' Twitter handles, but I'm reading them live here on the fly, so I, pron- I, I apologize if I pronounce them wrong. Uh, He said, are there any good edge options for the Jets in the third round? The answer is it's hard to say because it's so difficult to say how those first two rounds are going to break and to find somebody at a premium position, which I consider edge or pass rusher, who's going to make an immediate or longstanding impact on your team on day two or day three is really a challenge. And we've seen the Jets try to take this swing with Lorenzo Malden, with Jordan Jenkins, with Dylan Donahue. Uh, to varying degrees of success. I don't think Malden or Donahue are really going to ever do all that much here. However, I do think Jenkins has proven himself to be uh, a capable starter, not a game changer, not a guy who's going to get 8 to 10 sacks a year, but a good complementary player who's going to give you 60 to 70% of your defensive snaps, be solid against the run, and get clean up and get a handful of sacks per year. As for this year, in the third round, I've seen – some optimistic Jet fans uh, mock someone like Arden Key from LSU to them. I don't know if he's going to be there for them. That would be an intriguing get uh, at the back half of day two. Darrance Armstrong Jr. has been another popular one, uh, a guy with a little more name recognition who probably will give you a little more athleticism than what the Jets are currently working with overall. Uh, Rasheen Green, Green is another guy from USC. Uh, who there's been some buzz about them potentially targeting. But it's really hard to say. It really depends on what the value looks like at the position and what it looks like at the other positions they may be considering to add. So it's going to be a long wait from that first pick at third overall uh, to the bat, you know, to the early parts of the third round and late Friday night. But 
It certainly wouldn't be surprising at all if that first position the Jets targeted, depending, of course, on how the board breaks, ends up being edge rushers. So Armstrong Jr., Green, Key, uh, Justin Lawler. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what names are still there and if the Jets look to take a swing at one of those guys. Um, next question from Andrew Golden, which is at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Assuming the Jets draft Rosen or Baker and they play well enough to early to claim the job for 2019, who are some free agents to target with the projected cap space? Obviously, the franchise tag could change things, but right now, who would you target? Yeah, this is a good point. I think we're already hearing a lot about next offseason, about what we heard for this offseason. The Jets are going to have among the most cap space in the league, if not the most cap space. And that's a good thing to have that flexibility. But you have to remember there's limitations on what cap space can do. Teams are going to do their best to maintain their internal free agents, franchise tag them. So how the market looks now is not how it's going to look a year from now. Just like uh, Ezekiel Ansah, Demarcus Lawrence, Drew Brees, Lamarcus Joyner never actually hit the market because they stayed with their respective teams. Le'Veon Bell, another example. So look at a guy like Khalil Mack, who is the top projected free agent. You have to figure the Raiders are going to try to get him a long-term contract or franchise him. If that can't be worked out, then yeah, he's the kind of guy that you're going to throw all your money at because he's one of the five best defensive players in the NFL at arguably the most important defensive position in the NFL. Beyond him... It's really going to be interesting to see who actually hits the market. Can the Jets go out and improve their offensive line by maybe getting a guy like Dwayne Brown? Uh, A guy like Ryan Khalil will also be a free agent, depending on how the center position plays out for the Jets this year. Andy Levitre is supposed to hit the market. Uh, Beyond that, there's not a ton of massive, massive names. A lot of guys who got franchise tag will be poised to hit the market again. Lawrence Ansah, Nadama Kinsu among them. Maybe Le'Veon Bell again, if these guys don't ultimately get long-term contracts. In terms of other flashy names currently slated to be free agents, Randall Cobb, Geno Atkins, Earl Thomas. But again, how many of these guys actually hit the open market? And how many of them are going to be at positions that the Jets are going to invest in? You can't. I mean, the Jets aren't going to go pay Earl Thomas in free agency with Marcus May and Jamal Adams already under contract. Robert Quinn, who was just acquired by the Dolphins, also set to hit free agency. So I think it depends what positions reveal themselves to still be major problematic areas for the Jets. And then it depends who ultimately hits the market. It is good to have that flexibility, but if you're banking on free agency, banged, uh, being there to solve all your problems, that's a risky bet to make. I mean, you got to be able to draft and develop your own internal talent if you're going to build a successful team year in and year out. All right, non-Jets question from at Michael Parsons, who's at Michael and then a bunch of numbers that I'm not going to read. Non-Jets question, curious to hear your opinion. What is your thought on the new rule change that tries to emphasize safety to players' heads? Do you think it is going in the right direction or is going too far? Uh, This is a tough thing to answer. Um, I understand what the NFL is trying to do uh, in making players as safe as possible. I think the rules can only do so much. Football is a contact sport, a collision sport. It's inherently a dangerous game. And no matter what type of legislation you do, people are going to get hurt and players are faster and stronger. And I do think everyone initially always freaks out about these rule changes and then people adjust and move on. And we tend to forget about it for most of the season. So I see both sides of the argument. I don't think it's going to have a really damaging impact on the quality of play next year. But I understand, you know, the NFL's motivation in trying to do everything they can to keep this game as safe as possible. But 
at the end of the day, football's football. People are going to get hurt. It's a contact sport. People are going over the middle. And there's going to be helmet-to-helmet collisions, which is a scary thing, but it's a reality I think most of these players are aware of when they sign up to play. Next question from at Spotty Blackman. How dynamic could this offense be with Lamar Jackson as QB1? Look, I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. I think he's the fourth best quarterback in this class. I think he's a no-brainer to be a top 15 pick. I don't think he's a guy the Jets are going to consider a third overall. I don't think he's a guy they were going to consider at six overall. Because I think if they wanted him, they probably could have stayed put at six and just got him there. I think there are some fair questions about Jackson's frame and accuracy. But what's encouraging about him is that he improved his accuracy year over year, unlike a guy like Josh Allen. And I just think the ceiling is so much higher with him because of the dual threat ability. And I'm hoping that he goes to a spot like New Orleans or San Diego uh, where he could walk into a situation with a lot of offensive weapons around him, have a year potentially to sit behind a guy like Breeze or Rivers and then really hit the ground running next year, if not the back half of this year. If it's a place like San Diego and Rivers is struggling down the stretch or they're not going to be a playoff team. So it's not going to happen for the Jets and Jackson, uh, but that doesn't mean that Jackson is not going to be an effective starter in the league at the quarterback position, not the wide receiver position. Uh, Next question from at Mark Barnes. Odds the New York Jets, the New York Giants, I'm sorry, trade the number two pick. I think the Giants want to trade the number two pick, but we've been through this with the Jets before, right? We always talk about, except for this year, hey, why don't they just trade down and get more picks? Hey, why don't they trade down and get more picks? It's easier said than done. You've got to find a willing partner. So if they could find the right compensation with a Denver or a Buffalo, sure. I think they'd love to trade down, add to that offensive line. I put it at about 45, 50% of actually being executed. And if it doesn't get executed, we have to see if they're really not going to pull the trigger on a quarterback and roll with 37-year-old Eli Manning and take Saquon Barkley or Bradley Chubb, which I don't know. If I was a Giants, I would be taking a quarterback and not thinking twice about it, but it doesn't appear that that's going to be the case for them unless Cleveland takes Josh Allen first overall, and then apparently they would take Sam, Sam Darnold second. So I think the Giants will be like trying like hell to trade back, but I would say it's about a 50% chance they could actually execute it. Next question from Matt Israel DMS7. How awesome would it be to have a QB with swagger like Mayfield? Him and Adams would be awesome together. Yeah. I mean, look, from a, from a pure fan perspective, those are two guys who are going to be a ton of fun to root for. They bring a lot of energy, uh, a lot of swagger, uh, a lot of trash talk on both sides of the ball. And more importantly, though, from my perspective, I think Mayfield is in the discussion for being the best overall quarterback in this class. And His arm strength, his accuracy, his ability to make plays and improvise is what gets me the most excited about him as someone who covers the team. But as a fan, yeah, he's going to be fun to root for. Uh, And alongside Jamal Adams, it's going to be an entertaining team on both sides of the ball. I just want to see wins. And I think Adams had an encouraging rookie year. I want to see him take that next step and become a guy who is a no-brainer in the Pro Bowl, All-Pro discussion, making impact plays every single week. And with Mayfield... I think he projects well to the next level, and I don't really care about the cockiness and swagger and whatever else he's doing to taunt opponents and get excited as long as he's producing in a productive offense. But it would be two exciting guys to have the team rallying around. I don't think there's any question about that. The next question over here, scrolling down, bear, bear with me here. Next question from at Dirty Troft, great uh, handle right there. What do you make of the rumors the Jets won't draft Rosen because of his anti-Trump outspokenness? 
Uh, I think this is probably a little overstated. I think he has obviously the picture with the hat out there. I know Woody Johnson is part of Trump's quote-unquote administration, technically because he's ambassador to the UK. I don't know how much of an impact is going to have in the Jets' ultimate decision. I think that they're going to pick who they think is going to help them win the most football games. It's a fair thing to talk about. It's an understandable thing because Johnson is very active uh, with this administration as an active, you know, Republican donor. But I hope that, you know, a pitcher that Josh Rosen took when he was 20 years old isn't going to influence the Jets draft board because I do think Rosen is, when, when it is all said and done, the best overall quarterback in this class by a small margin. I think Mayfield and uh, Darnold are right, right behind him. But I hope the Jets are, you know, focusing uh, on the on-field attributes and what he could bring to the organization and not going to get too wrapped up in a hot tub picture or a picture of him on the golf course from a few years back. Uh, next question from Cal Perry uh, at the real Caleb four three two. Sorry if this is a repeat question. What if twenty fifteen Teddy shows up and lights up OTAs in preseason? Did they redshirt a QB once again? Uh, a good question. Now I think we got to keep in mind that Bridgewater was pretty good in twenty fifteen. He wasn't you know, all pro lighting anything up. I think he threw 14 touchdowns this year. And yes, the Vikings were a playoff team, but it was mostly on the backs of their running game and their defense. So he was a pretty good starter uh, who was showing good signs of progressing, but it was not like he was Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or, you know, Tom Brady. He wasn't a top five quarterback in the league. I think if Bridgewater plays well, that's good for the Jets. It's a good problem to have. And I think if he shows signs of being healthy and productive, but isn't really blowing the rookie quarterback out of the water. I could see Bridgewater being a guy that just try to flip for a mid-round pick right before the season starts uh, and get some value back there and let McCown be the number two to the rookie. I think the Jets are best served getting this rookie out there under center as fast as possible. You learn from playing. I think Rosen and Mayfield are both ready to play day one and will play well this summer and in the preseason. So unless Bridgewater is miles and miles ahead of the rookie quarterback, I am rooting for a scenario where the rookie is out there as soon as possible. The learning and the development is happening out there, similar to what happened with Wentz and Goff in year one. And then by year two, next year, the Jets are honestly ready to compete as a playoff team because the Jets aren't getting anywhere with Josh McCown starts this season. And with Bridgewater, I kind of want to say the same thing. It's a little different because obviously he's a younger guy. He's only 25. He's been an encouraging young starter relatively recently, but I think... You know, we got to temper expectations with Bridgewater's health. Look at what the league thought of him when he was a free agent. He basically took $500,000 of guaranteed money to come to a situation where he could very well end up being the third string quarterback. So clearly there are some questions out there about his health. I hope he plays well. I've always been a Bridgewater fan. Obviously, he's on the Jets now. It's a good problem to have, to have as many good quarterbacks as possible. I'm just tempering my overall expectations uh, with what we're going to see out of him, ultimately. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Um, next question from Phil H. Familton82. Give me your starting wide receiver unit and who you think will be slinging the rock to them. So who will be the starting quarterback? I think as it stands now... Uh, your opening day group of receivers will probably be Robbie Anderson uh, as your flanker, the guy sort of moving around the formation. He played a little more in the slot last year, still predominantly a split end though. Uh, Quincy Inouye, another guy who's going to move around a lot, play a little H, play a little outside the numbers. 
Uh, Jermaine Curse still on the roster now, a guy who's going to work in the slot potentially on some third down situations, but can also play outside the numbers. So I think a reoccurring theme is you have three big bodied guys who can move around the set and do a little bit of everything. Uh, Anderson played more in the slot last year than people give him credit for. Curse can play inside and outside, although he did probably some of his best work from inside last year. And Anuwa, as we know, uh, probably the most versatile player in the Jets offense. I've seen Anuwa line up at fullback, H-back, tight end, flanker, slot. He's played every position in the offense uh, over the past few years. So I think those three guys are going to be interchangeable about where they move, where they line up. After that, you're looking at Terrell Pryor, who's really more of a strictly vertical outside the numbers guy. He's going to run your nine routes, run your comebacks. Uh, work outside the numbers. And I think if Anderson is suspended early in the year, which I'm not necessarily anticipating, he could see more reps. But if not, he feels like more of a situational player uh, who they're going to take some deep shots with and be a threat in the red zone. After that, you're looking at deaf players. I think Andre Roberts is going to make the roster as a returner. I think that's exactly why the Jets signed him. And returner has been a problem for a while. And then you have Hanson and Stewart. Hanson is a guy who played well more than Stewart last year. It looked pretty good in the slot at times and could add some depth uh, overall. But it's going to be hard for once you get down to that part of the roster for those guys to really get targets and meaningful reps, which is why I'm tempering expectations for them. And clearly the Jets don't feel great uh, about the two of them because they went out and they signed Terrell Pryor. They went out and they added Charles Johnson. They have 17 receivers total on the roster right now, which is kind of crazy to wrap your head around. So be interesting to see how that number shakes out. I'm sure they'll only carry six, seven at the most when the season starts. Um, next question from Mac, DRMac96. Any concerns about Baker Mayfield playing under center when he primarily played out of the shotgun in college? I get this question a lot, and the answer is no. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles quarterbacks played at a shotgun 70, 73% of their snaps last year. Uh, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and I'm pretty sure the Titans all had their quarterbacks take more than 70% of their snaps from a shotgun last year. It's common now in the NFL to have your starting quarterback play out of shotgun the majority of the time. So I don't think that's a huge problem for Mayfield. I do think it will go under center from time to time, but I think it's an overstated concern because with how the NFL is changing, having a quarterback in the shotgun, playing RPO, making a read from that alignment is not an uncommon thing at all. And I think it's something that hopefully Jeremy Bates is ready to um, potentially coach around. All right. Do, do, do one final question here. Uh, this is basically just an aggregate of questions. I got a few people tweeting me about uh, Todd McShay's tweet yesterday, basically saying that Mike McCagnan is drafted 21 of 22 Mike McCagnan's draft picks are still on the roster and uh, six or seven of them have developed into solid or good starters and that they are basically a franchise quarterback away from turning things around quickly. So uh, there's a lot to dig into with this tweet. Let's start with the top. I think having 21 of 22 players on the roster still is a weird metric for success because for a few reasons. First off, the Jets haven't been good the past few years. They're 10 and 23 in their last 33 games. So being on the roster on a bad team isn't necessarily the greatest thing in the world. And I also think being on the roster doesn't merit a good pick. It's April. The Jets are carrying 17 wide receivers right now, and they're going to be carrying five quarterbacks uh, in 10 days. So Christian Hackenberg is on the roster. It doesn't mean it was a good pick. The same goes for Bryce Petty. The same goes for Devin Smith. 
The same goes for Sharon Peak. I mean, I think if you work through it here, um, a lot of these guys probably won't be on the roster, the opening 53-man roster when the season starts. Uh, you know, just kind of going through that list, Devin Smith, I wouldn't bet on being on the roster. Bryce Petty, I wouldn't bet on being on the roster. Deion Simon, maybe a 50% chance of being on the roster. Same goes for Justin Burris. Same goes for Sharon Peak, who won't be on the roster. Hackenberg won't be on the roster. Don't know if Dylan Donahue, Jeremy Clark, Derek Jones, or even Jordan Leggett are going to be on the roster at this point. So it's just very early to make that kind of assertion. Uh, it depends who the Jets draft and how the rest of the offseason goes. And six to seven solid starters probably feels like a stretch to me. Leonard Williams, definitely in that group. Marcus May, Jamal Adams. Jordan Jenkins, I think you could even put in there. Robbie Anderson wasn't drafted, but obviously he deserves that consideration. Brandon Chell has shown potential, but he only played 65% of the snaps last year, so probably a little premature there. And just because Darren Lee started doesn't mean he's been a solid starter. If anything, I think he's been a below-average starter to date. So those numbers are, I don't know, they seem a little overly optimistic to me. Uh, And yes, if the Jets draft a franchise quarterback, I do think they will turn things around pretty quickly, and it washes away a lot of the mistakes that they've previously made. But I think I'm not... I'm excited about what they did this offseason, and I think they're positioned to have success going forward if they take Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield. But that's not a reason to apply revisionist history to a team that's 20-28 and over the last three years. I'm pretty confident that if the day Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles got hired, if you asked any Jet fan on the street and said, hey, over the next three years, the team's going to be 20-28 and with zero playoff appearances, are you happy with that? Every single person would say no, or you're being a hater. It's ridiculous to think they'd be that bad. So it hasn't been good to date, but that doesn't mean that it can't get better going forward, particularly if this front office has learned from previous mistakes, which we've seen signs of. Uh, They didn't overpay to keep Demario Davis or Austin Safarian Jenkins. They made some smart, targeted, low-cost signings of younger players this year, not repeating the mistakes they did after the 2015 offseason, And they did what they needed to do to get themselves in position to draft a quarterback this year. So I don't think the Jets drafted overly well the past three years, particularly in 2015, which was a pretty bad class, I think. And 2016 has been eh at best. But go get the quarterback, spend your money wisely going forward, and break this playoff drought, which has just been ridiculously long at this point. So not been great to date, but positioned to improve going forward. Take Josh Rosen, take Baker Mayfield. It's really hard to mess it up at this point. I think 80 to 90% of the fan base would be happy with either of those picks, and with good reason, because I think you can make a case that either of those two guys are the best quarterback in this class. So to get that guy at number three is an encouraging thing. So um, we'll see how it plays out. All right, we'll wrap it up now. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. Still have not locked in our guests yet, but we'll keep you guys posted on Twitter uh, on who that is going to be. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Make sure to leave us a rating. As always, we're up over 150 now. Let's get to 200. Uh, Of course, subscribe to Play Like a Jet. The Jet Take. Stick to the Jets. Draft season. Got five podcasts rolling right now. I turn on the Jets digital. We're grinding. uh, and We're almost at the end of this draft process so it should be a fun couple weeks so stay with us at turnonthejets.com stay with me on twitter at jcaparoso and we'll talk to everybody soon thanks for listening